Hello and welcome to the TM Therapy Podcast, the podcast designed to decrease the stigmas associated with mental health care and increase access to mental health information. TM Therapy is designed to teach, empower, and advocate. Hello, this is Dr. Kimberly. Welcome to the first episode of Tea and Therapy for 2023, Hobbies, Interest, and Life Skills. I hope you dance. The reason that I did this podcast on hobbies and interests is that in my therapy practice, sometimes clients come to me and they're experiencing uh, depression, maybe some anxiety, and oftentimes just trying to find a way to get through life. And I think that often what I recommend is just for the clients to look at some of the hobbies and interests that they have. And having a hobby and interest, I think that it it's helpful in eliminating or decreasing some depression. Hobbies are also helpful in increasing a person's socialization, and they can really be used as a coping skill and um, self-care, stress management as well. So I am joined by some of my dance friends, and we're talking about the importance of dance for us and how through dance, we've been able to maybe reframe narratives from some childhood experiences that we've had. We've been able to reframe those as we've gone through our adult years. And then also what we've gotten from dance beyond just steps and listening to music, there's also that sense of structure that we've been able to use through our lives. So I want you to listen in as we talk about, again, how we can utilize hobbies, interests, and life skills to help with stress management, coping skills, socialization, and really just finding a way through through this process called life. So thanks for listening and I hope you dance. Okay. All right. So welcome back. Thank you for coming back to Tea and Therapy. And as I mentioned, we are joined by some of my dance friends. Um, what I want to do is just take the opportunity to have my friends introduce themselves, and then we'll sit back and we'll have a general conversation about the importance of dance. So who would like to go first? And I'll pick if it's dead air. I'll go first. My name is Jillian Godwin. Um, I'm a retired professional dancer with Dance Kaleidoscope from Indianapolis, Indiana. I can go second. Um, my name is Katanya James. I'm originally from New York, um, from Brooklyn, New York. I live in Rockland County, and then I moved to Washington, D.C. in September of 2019. Um, I'm a freelancer, and I also dance, um, and I'll say like an adult ballet dancer, I'll say. Um, and I've been dancing um, like off and on since I, my first dance class was when I was 12, so I've been dancing off and on since I was 12 years old. Will happen. My name is Elena Conrad, and I'm also a relatively recent transplant to DC. I'm originally from Iowa and have been dancing since I was a really little kid, but currently I'm sort of adult dancer and figuring out freelance in DC. Thank you. I didn't know we had so many DC transplants, but I think DC is like the transplant city. Also. Um, with that, Jillian, is there anything you want to share more about like your, your dance background? Because one of my questions too is, is how did you, or how and when did you come to dance? Um, so Jillian, is there anything you would like to share about that? Um, I kind of came into dance naturally. Um, I was a singer 
And I found a little local studio on the east side of Indianapolis called Dance Magic, and they were offering musical theater class. So I was like, okay, great. Like, let's take a vocal class and then a little bit of dance afterwards. And after that, I kind of got the itch um, and started taking more dance classes and did a lot of musical theater um, growing up because I my original plan was to be a Broadway star and, you know, go and sing on Broadway. But then I fell in love with ballet, um, loved being up on my point shoes and twirling around the house. And about age 15, I decided that I was going to seriously pursue dance and more specifically go the ballet route. Um, I did a lot of auditioning around uh, the country and for different summer programs and danced wherever I could in the city and Ballet International, which is now defunct. Um, I took classes there. I took classes at Broderpool High School. I would dance at the public school for about an hour and 40 minutes a day, um, which was fantastic. Um, and so I was dancing about 40 hours a week, um, pretty rigorous training. Um, and I auditioned for a lot of ballet companies once I got to age 17 and I was a little too short and a little too behind um, and it just didn't end up working out. And so, and, and which was fine, you know, I was heartbroken, of course, um, but knew I had a lot of tenacity, knew I had a good work ethic. So it was decided for me that I would go to Ball State. Um, and I was there for a whopping three months before I auditioned a second time for Dance Kaleidoscope and basically begged the artistic director to hire me as an apprentice. And he did, and I was there for six months and got hired as a full-time company member. And that was where I spent most of my career was there and quickly rose to soloist and had a had a fantastic time um, just living a dream that, you know, most only imagine. So yeah, that's a little bit, I mean, I could go into more rigorous detail, but we only have a half an hour. <laughs> Maybe at some other point, we'll, we'll allow you to elaborate. So um, I didn't share mine and part of my dance experience. Um, when I was a, a little girl, I went to dance class because my neighborhood friend wanted to go. And so she went and then by the time my mom had signed me up, we were like in separate classes. And so I think I finished out the term. And then since I wasn't with my friend, like I didn't go back. And then somehow there was this itching that I had. I was like, I want to go back. I want to go back. And my mom was like, nope, nope, nope. You're not going back, right? And so it wasn't until I was 18 and I was like, okay, I'm an adult now. Like I get to determine what I want to do. And, and it was like, I just waited to get back into dance class. And for me, it's like dance has been something that's been in and out of my life for too many decades. So I don't like to usually say how old I am, but a couple decades. And it's always been something that I've come back to, like it's been this, this grounding source for me. When I was doing my studies in my doctoral program, the instructor was talking to us about, you know, how do we help clients and how do we help clients that are experiencing like depression and just wanting to get back into life and finding like joy and pleasure. And the exercise was think of something that you did as a kid or something that you've always enjoyed doing that you've come back to. And I was like, it stands. It's dance, right? And so from that, I think I remember that. I'm like, okay, Kimberly, when things are tough for you, get back to dance, you know, find dance, find a way to get back to it. And that was one thing that I made sure of. It was like when I was moving to DC, I'm like, wait, where's the dance? How am I going to find this dance? And so I'm so happy, you know, that, that I found it. 
And with that, I want to ask you all, because we're, we're, we're adults here and, you know, no, Jillian, you've had your professional career. And I'm thinking that you're still taking classes. I know you're still teaching as well, but what's bringing you back to dance? You know, what is, what is your why right now as an adult, as far as like, why are you dancing? And anyone can, can open the floor for this. I guess I was going to say for me, it's kind of a combination of a little bit of spite um, and just a lot of love for it. So I um, started having joint problems when I was about 10. I've been dancing since I was four. Um, so a lot of wear and tear. And by the time I was 17, I was told like, you can't dance anymore. You're done. Um, if you continue to try to dance, you're going to cause permanent damage and basically not be able to walk, not be able to do all these things. Um, and didn't have doctors really take me seriously. And so I think for me, sometimes like the feeling of still being in the studio, still being able to see growth and get to perform and do these things is a little bit of a like getting to reclaim that and have that say in my life again, where for like about 10 years, I felt kind of helpless and like I didn't have that agency. And then at the same time, since I was young, dance has both been this place where I can play and I can have a lot of joy and I don't have to be super serious. I can laugh and have fun and make a fool of myself. And at the same time, I can have that like rigor and structure and discipline. It's a little bit what you said, Kimberly, about like, even when the rest of my life is a little bit nuts, there's a lot going on. Things are really hectic. I know I'm always going to have like at least those six hours in the studio a week to just have that structure, go through bar, go through center, and be able to kind of center myself and ground myself in it. I think the structure part, that's something that a lot of people value about dance, you know, and, and I know we're, we're focusing on ballet here, but I know there are other forms of dance as well. So please feel free to talk about those. I remember also too, when I wasn't dancing, there was, you know, there've been different times for different reasons. And I was at a conference and there were these attorneys that were speaking and someone said, oh yeah, we have a question. Like, you know, can you tell the audience, like, you know, what was it in your life that led you to become this, uh, this attorney? And this woman with these beautiful legs, <laughs> she stopped for a minute and she thought about it. And she says, ballet. She says the structure and the discipline of ballet was what I needed to get me through law school. Just as because that was ingrained in me of, you know, how you walk, how you present yourself and just that sequencing. And it's knowing like someone said, wasn't well, it boring? Like you're going to always do plies. And it's like, no, it's like, there's, there's always this challenge to it. And it's this structure. And for me, it's like, sometimes I'm like, I don't have to think someone's going to tell me what to do. <laughs> it's just like, I love it. It's like, yeah. Yeah. So other people, what are your, why do you continue with dance? You know, I, feel like a, a kind of um, sort of similar to yours, um, Kimberly, that like I um, found a, sort of like a place of like centering and grounding. Um, so my dance story is like a little bit like I didn't get to start dance until I was 12. Um, and that was like my first dance class because in my middle school, they had a dance class. Um, like I wanted to dance when I was younger, but my mom, my parents, like they're immigrants to this country. And so like they figured like and um, they're from the Caribbean. And so they didn't really grow up like with like 
um because they eat from both big families they didn't grow up with like having extracurricular activities so they kind of like when they first got here they were kind of like and they're like okay we just want to make sure you guys get to school and work for school and home safely in church um and so then um and so like I didn't start till I was 12 and then like when I got to, to middle school I like fell in love with like I was in, like the general dance class we did a little bit of everything we did modern African West African dance a little bit of tap a little bit of like the cakewalk um like sort of like uh, group dances and then like I just kind of got bitten by it so I would, like even spend like my lunch periods like in like another dance class and so like and then went through high school did like different high school dance groups um and then like uh got to college um and I guess all through all of this too like I was thinking like I grew up in New York City um I like I mean it's like uh I had to audition for high schools so I did audition for LaGuardia and like other like professional performing arts and the common thing was that I just didn't have enough training yet and then also like my body type like my also my teacher when I in middle school also made a thing that she like dancers have to be like usually thinner and I had like big hips and a small waist and I and I was kind of like really conscious like maybe like I didn't have like this body type and even like one time my mom did say when I was auditioning so I was also playing a visual arts major and so I was like auditioning both of them and she was like at some point she was like I kind of don't think you have the body for a dancer like um and I was like okay so in the back of my mind like I was still dancing but that was kind of in the back of my mind um and then when I got to college I was like a, a language major and I was still dancing like different non-major classes and I have this like distinct memory of like leaving the dance studio one day when I was a junior or going to junior year going like okay I guess I have to be serious now so I'm going to like really focus on my languages and my like, dance became more of an extracurricular thing and then like I got more into church at that time where I felt like I had to and in that like this um denomination seven adventists like just to say um like uh the church I went to they were being very like uh I guess conservative really and so they became this thing about like oh like you have to kind of give up like worldly things and like dance kind of look to look down upon so then for a while I was like okay maybe I have to give this up and like I'm trying to be like more serious and then like I went to grad school and then I just kind of felt like I I am kind of losing the joy in life so I even like took a year off and went to teach English in Spain because I studied abroad my first my freshman year and like I remember feeling such joy while I was in, in Spain I actually did flamenco dance too like they had a studio close by so I did flamenco dance while I was there like Sevillanas and so when I was when I was um in Spain like teaching like I had like some days off and so I was like you know what do I really like to do what do I miss and then I remember just myself like looking at different dance pictures and like ballet and I was just like I need to dance again and so when I came back from that I was just like I have to get back into dance and then um also realized that like I always wanted to go on point and so I was like okay like even though like my dance teacher said I don't have dance like I need to be really real thin to be a, a ballet dancer I'm pretty sure it's someone else has gone on point as an adult so I was like researching and like found like adult ball, um, ballerinas adult ballet students who like started going on point who started point later and um so what keeps me coming coming or keeps me going now is that like okay I can't do this there's other people who have like who have gone on point later on in life and like now it's just like okay I just need to like hunker down and do it like I want to I want to get to like to be on point and I'm starting to like um if me you can really like in the beginner adult class um and so yeah that's what keeps me going so like okay like it's totally possible and then also as well uh I guess I started like an Instagram to sort of like I guess in a way kind of give back to the adult ballet community to be like look there's another story someone else is being inspired to like keep going
I feel like it just all keeps coming back to joy because it makes us joyous. Like just moving our bodies and being with the music and being with ourselves. And, you know, it just, it keeps coming back to that, I think for everybody. Um, and I was very similar to you, uh, Katanya. Like I didn't start dancing until I was late. Uh, you know, I was older, 11 years old. I mean, that's like so late for a woman dancer, you know, like, oh, you're supposed to be in, you know, a class when you're four and five years old, but it wasn't in the realm of possibility in my family either. I mean, we were a larger family with three boys and me and my mom and my dad. And it was like, no, we need to put food on the table before we have any kind of other activities to happen, you know? Um, so that's just, it's very interesting to see how, how it all comes back to, you know, it's like we are the most in tune and, uh, with ourselves through dance, through this medium of dance. Like it is, I know for me, like it was just who I was. Like I knew that I needed to like share what was going on inside of me, you know, to unveil, to reveal something about yourself and to discover more things about yourself. It's peeling back the layers to, to see like, you know, darkness and light you know, to, cause you come into the studio and all you have is you in the mirror, you know? And so you, day in and day out, you're constantly looking and critiquing and feeling joy, but then also feeling like defeated some days. And like, how do you deal with that? And how do you take that outside of the studio into your everyday life? And that gets to, you know, one of the questions that I had in thinking about dance too. It's like, the one thing is like how, do you translate what happens in the studio like to other areas of your life? And then, you know, what is the importance of it? Because I think for me, when I went back at 18, like I, it was at the end of being treated for an eating disorder. And I was like, oh, I need to like really, like Jillian said, I need to look at a mirror and really be okay with like, what is there, right? And then beyond that, it's also like, I need that criticism, but it's constructive criticism. And to know like, oh, okay, yeah. Like someone's telling me, to do this and it's not because it's wrong and just wrong but they're correcting me because they see like you know the, this potential in me and they want me to improve and do better and so for me those are some of the things that you know with dance it's like okay I, i'm doing this but i'm also learning this or you know when i moved to to dc and really getting more involved with dance it's like oh this is my community and this is my organic community. You know, I'm not like on an app, like, okay, how do I get a Bumble's best friend? I'm not dissing Bumble best friend because I've been on there, but I'm like, wait a minute, the, where's organic? What's what's organic, right? And so it's like, I'm meeting people in these or, organic situations. And you know, the, the, the purpose of this podcast, it was, it's not just to talk about dance, but to get people to also to say, you know, what is a hobby or an interest or, or passion or art that you've had in your life that, you can go back to and, you know, go back to that as an, as an adult and really expand on that. Um, the other thing too, if, you know, to have you think about and comment on it's, you know, you don't have to disclose, you know, what you don't want to disclose, but it's like, how has dance, you know, also helped with mental health and mental health. You don't just say, Oh, it's my depression or my anxiety, but like Jillian said, and someone else said, it's just like joy. And I, I had a dance class before we started the podcast and it was so funny. I'm like, dance gives me like different vocabulary because I was in the class and I'm like, this class is just beautiful. 
you know, <laughs> I was like, this is a beautiful class today. And, and please feel free if you have a dance teacher studios to do a shout out. Um, one of my favorite teachers in Indiana who I recently contacted with, she had retired, was Laura Byram. And I just remember like being in her class and I said, wow, you know, I go through stuff in life, but I was like, dance is the only place at that time where I'm like, I laugh and I smile, you know, and coming to DC, one of the things that I picked up on too, that I had was like just running. So, I, you know, for a while I was running and then I got hurt trying to play tennis because I was looking for community. Tennis is not it for me. Um, and I said, okay, I still need running because running, I feel strong. And when I'm dancing, I feel strong and I feel beautiful. And I don't feel beautiful most of the time unless I'm like just in the studio and it's almost like, like, oh, I can put on makeup or like do the selfies and I feel okay. But like dance, it feels organic because there'll be like a glimpse and I'm like, oh, that's me in the mirror. Oh, that's pretty. That's great. So, so just, you know, what, what is, how does it help in other areas of your life? How has it helped with your mental health? Yeah. What do you have to share? They're all thinking over there. Okay. <laughs> um, I can sorry, jump in. I would say for me, dance sometimes has been a little bit of like good and bad for mental health for sure. But um, I grew up in a family that was pretty intense about like high expectations, academics, all of that. And sometimes obviously ballet is not great for perfectionists, but it's also, I think one of the areas where I was like most taught or most encouraged to just try. Um, I had a teacher growing up who very memorably told my parents that I was like like a Labrador puppy in the dance studio. Like I would just fling myself into things. And if I like wiped out and fell on my face, I'd bounce right back up and keep trying. And I think that was one of the first times where I heard like trying even if you fail, but just trying as like the positive thing and not necessarily being successful in it, but just being willing to give it your all and go for it. And I think that as much as it was like a one-off comment, it's something that's kind of stuck with me to like encourage me when I kind of want to shrink in and be safe or I'm kind of scared to like venture out of my comfort zone, whether that's, you know, moving or trying to find friends in a new city and things like that. It kind of bolsters me in that sense. Um, and I would echo what you said, Kimberly, a bit. I think a lot of times in my like day-to-day -day life, people are like, oh, you're really quiet. You're really reserved. You're really like serious. No one has ever said that about me in a dance class. Um, <laughs> the number one thing I get is like, you're so happy. And I'm like, I think both, I love that it brings me that joy and also like figuring out like, okay, how can I take that, that like love and happiness I feel in the studio and bring it into my like day-to-day -day interactions and like seize kind of those small moments of joy um in a way that is maybe not my habit but something I like want to bring throughout my life yeah for me, like, <laughs> oh, go for it go for uh, it oh no I <laughs> Um, I, I would echo what Elena said that dance has also been kind of good or bad, good and bad too. Like 
good on the sense of I was reflecting that like I feel that it's helped me with my journey to point helped me to sort of look at things and like uh be more problem solving and also be like okay like yeah problem solving and being like there is a way to do this like let me look at a different way it doesn't have to be what everyone else's path has been um and then also I feel like it's taught me as well to like really look for environments that like are um supportive because at first I was kind of like oh this is the way things are and like like I'm in my there's this, when I came back from Spain um there's a studio like close to my parents live and like they had adult dance classes but it was mostly like adult fitness classes and they're like oh like even some of the the, the um the women in the class were like oh like we don't want to do point anymore we've done that already we just want to have fun and part of me was like well actually I want to get better I don't want to be the only <laughs> and so then like I did also like so it kind of taught me sort of advocate so I did like talk to the teacher and then like I was able to get like private but then like I realized like talking to other people or other inventory that they didn't want to like um mix the adults and students I couldn't go into like say a teenager or like the like younger people's class so I was like okay then maybe I need to find another studio and then, <laughs> and then like um so I ran into like um a teach like a funny star and it was a funny so I like so I had become a ballet nerd at the time um still am but um and so I was looking at different things on um uh, or like on YouTube looking at different um videos and so like I had become really new about like uh New York ballet um and yeah New York ballet and like Sarah um and her last name is Amar and so like one time I was out and with one of my friends Anna and we were like sitting there like and we were seeing all these like dancers or seeing like this table by us and I was like oh wow like I guess they almost be ballet dancers I was like oh my god there's Amar and then she's like I'm like I know from like New York City ballet and so she's like so she was like okay whatever like and so and then whatever she's like oh that's really cool and then she's like maybe she said hi and I'm like no they probably won't be by themselves and like we're leaving and then she stops by Amar she's like I like she's like I know who you are and he's like you do she's like okay I don't she does and he looked at me and I'm like you're a Mark from New York City ballet <laughs> and then out of nowhere he was just like to me right because like, I thought because Anna's a little thinner so I figured like he would like peg her more for the dancer but he looked at me and he's like so where do you dance and I was like me <laughs> and so he's like yeah where do you dance I was like well I dance at Coupe in, in Rockland County and it's really relevant because like I wish I had my, te- my ballet teacher um Daniel Cadenac so Omar was like me just go to um Seth on Broadway my uncle um Daniel Cadenac does an advanced ballet class or like intermediate ballet class at like 12 p.m you should go and so I was like okay thanks and he's like don't forget I follow Cad- him on Instagram like he's a fantastic teacher sorry to interrupt but yeah. I know who you're mm-hmm. talking about that's such yeah. a small world <laughs> this is, yeah that's awesome and so like um I put I think me and Anna posted the picture and then we like like oh great meeting you Omar and he like commented on both our pictures right like don't forget meet like reach out to Daniel Cadenac so then I ended up reaching out to Daniel Cadenac and like I've done a couple privates with him and actually even to this day actually still like I've gone to his own even though I moved to DC I've done um like privates with him and she helped me choreograph my my Christmas dance this year um so I've shout out Daniel Cadenac is steps on Broadway um so I guess that's been the good part that it helped like ballet dances helped me sort of figure out like like be more problem like problem solving and then also like be more open to like support and how and like be open to like how it looks or like how it can look differently does not look a specific way um and I think the bad a little bit um has been that like I guess good and bad because like I say bad is that like um sometimes I find myself being nitpicky and kind of like comparing my body shape to other people being like I wish I like didn't have my hips run this big I wish like I could be skinnier 
but then the other half of it's like I feel like with me charting um, this Instagram uh, called the Thick Ballerina, like it it also helps me to like appreciate my shape and be like, okay, this is like this is a shape I've been giving, and like even though I have bigger hips um, and a bigger booty, I can still do ballet. Like it doesn't have to be like I have to lose weight to do ballet. Thing has it. Again, I think that all of this is coming back, like uh, the negative here is like always body image, right? Like seeing yourself in the mirror and constantly comparing yourself to your neighbor. And me, like I was blessed with a small frame, but like I got a lot of muscle, you know, and didn't have any height, didn't have the long lines that was supposed to be what this ballet thing was but I could do everything those ballet dancers could do and I could do more of it, you know? So, you know, it, it's just so funny, like the societal standards that are put on just people, even just people that want to just enjoy dance, there's still like that, that image of, is my body a good body for this? And I, I always answer the question with yes, if your body can move and you, love the music and it infuses your soul then you dance and it shouldn't i mean you just you just do it <laughs> you know like f everybody else i guess um so that was a negative for me i'm i'm just um, echoing what everyone else i think has said and then for me i've always you know thought of dance as communication like it's a way for me to communicate what i could never write down what I could never express through words because sometimes things are deeper than words, you know? And when you, when you have people, you know, come up to you and say like, you know, you changed my life tonight before, you know, with your dancing, like you really struck a chord with me, you know, like you find that you're doing the right thing. Like you find that purpose or even still, like if you're in a class, you know, with your, with your friends, you're like, oh man, like you, you nailed that tondu combination. Like it makes you feel like so good because like that recognition of like you sharing those parts of yourself, like, and like, you know, hearing it or seeing it or feeling it from someone else is so validating, you know, that it's, it's, I don't know, again, like words escape me right now, but that's, that's the positive for me. That's what I take away is like, if I can dance and be communicative that way like I can put that into other areas in my life to enrich other people's lives through it I think too and I appreciate everybody for for chiming in that what I've been picking up on with dance you know this go around for me and I'm, I'm so fortunate that I'm here in DC now and it's almost like on paper it looks like I'm this like you know, this ballet expert, because I'm like, oh, I have classes in DC and Virginia and Maryland. <laughs> you know, it's like, but they're all like half hour apart, you know. Um, but it's also what I'm through one of my instructors, um, Mariana, and it was just that concept of it's really community and connection. And when we're in a class, we're like, really, we're flowing and we're breathing with other people. And it's like, we're not necessarily alone. And, and that's really kind of helped me to kind of hone in that on that sense of connection. Uh, the other thing when everyone was speaking, what I really appreciate 
But I think, you know, for those that are out there, they're thinking about going back to, you know, dance classes, ballet classes. Um, and the way that, you know, Elena and I met, it's like it was reframing the narrative. And I think we're all doing that. We're, you know, Catania, you're reframing the narrative like, this is my butt, this is my hips, this is what I'm going to do. All right. And so, um, you and I both, it's like people of color, you know, something that's that's rarely seen unless you're like my first one of my dance experiences when I went to New York for the Alvin Ailey School for the summer. I was like, oh my gosh, they're black dancers. Like, this is the majority. Like, oh my gosh, <laughs> you know, it wasn't there in Indiana, you know? So I think it's been an opportunity as an adult that, you know, the stereotypes are there, you know, and for some of you who've been dancing, like when you were younger, you get to reframe that narrative. You know, the teacher said, oh, you don't have the right feet. You don't have the right body. As an adult, you get to say, this is my narrative. And I do have the right feet. I do have the right body. You know, this is what I, this is what I'm going to do. And, you know, one of the Atlerian concepts is having that courage to be imperfect. And I think, Elena, you spoke about that. It's just like, you go and you just do. And my dog wants to chime in now. Um, that you just, you you go and, and, and you do, and it's like, it's gonna be okay. And I think that that's also something that I'm focusing on getting again with this next journey of dance and even like, you know, um, taking point classes and even knowing my body. And I'm like, wait, this isn't, I, my body needs more instruction than this, you know? So then I look for another instructor. And I'm like, okay, wait a minute. I've gotta, I've gotta protect my body. Um, the last thing I recently celebrated my birthday uh, and it was a dance class. And there was another student that said, oh, it's my birthday too. So I will say I'm 55 and then the other person was 80. So I just appreciate that, that it's like, we've all found something that we can do the rest of our lives. I went to class today and there was someone who, you know, appeared older than maybe myself. And it appeared that maybe she had some, some scoliosis or something with her spine. But it was like at the bar, it was like, wow, I'm like, she's like very straight at the bar, you know? And then she, you know, she decided like she wasn't going to do the center, but it was just like, I think dance has given us that sense of challenge, you know, and to say, this is what I, I can do. This is what I'm going to try. And it's almost in psychology. I have people go back and look at their, you know, their, their younger selves or their early childhoods to kind of, mm, find growth in it like you know instead of like the trauma but this you know traumatic growth what how have you grown or how do you nurture your inner child and I think for me dance has been that how do you let your inner child play and when I was at uh went back to dance this year maybe last year by the time this podcast comes out there was a time that I remember I was just standing there and I envisioned like my little self and I'm like you good we okay with this and she's like yeah I'm good I like this you know so it's it was really good um the thing I want to leave you with, and I'm probably going to throw out a lot of questions because I tend to do that. But uh, so this podcast is called Tea and Therapy. And the T, the T actually stands for to teach, to empower and advocate. So if you want to, it's commenting on like through dance or ballet, you know, what has it taught you? How have you taught others? What has been the, the empowerment there? And then is, is there advocacy there? And if not, that's fine. And then the other thing, you know, is there something that you would like to just kind of share about like your greatest dance experience? And I guess in summary, like, what do you want to leave your, these listeners with as you think about dance, mental health, and just community? I think community is important as well. 
I, I'm a full-time teacher. Like that's that's what I do now after I retired. Um, I teach at a ballet school, so mostly what I teach is ballet. Um, and I love I love being able to pass the flame, like to pass on my knowledge, to pass on my passion, to get students excited about learning to be with their bodies and learning to absorb the movement and live in the music and. Um, I love being there for those aha moments and those those moments where the light bulb flicks on and 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 you're there for that and you see the spark in their eyes. Like it's it's so it's so vital for the continuation of the arts, especially in dance, like to pass on what we've been taught. So I mainly trained in gram technique at Dance Kaleidoscope and my boss was I, the, one of the last generations to learn from Martha Graham herself. So I'm a third generation Graham dancer. So even though I'm mostly teaching ballet, there's so many things that are interwoven between dance styles that, you know, like she said, dance is communication. You know, dance is speaking without words. And if you're, if you're not doing that, like, like, you have to find that purpose and that spark within you. Um, and it's hard, you know, coming in day to day, especially with kids that are, you know, hormonal and they have a lot. I mean, it's such a different generation now from when I was dancing. I mean, there's so many things to be distracted by, you know, and even now as an adult, I feel distracted by my phone and distracted by other things, you know, when I could be sitting down and, oh, let's create a new class or what are we going to do this week, you know? Um, but I think along with that, like it is empowering to be, you know, in there with those kids and um, being able to see the character building, to see their discipline, to see their discovery of who they are. And, and, you know, giving those corrections and, and reveling in their triumphs and, you know, being there in case they're having a bad day, like, cause you're there for the good and the bad, like the body doesn't lie, right? You can tell as soon as somebody walks in the room, if they've had a bad day, <laughs> cause they carry that with them, you know? And then once you say, okay, relax your shoulders, then, then we start the unraveling, you know? So I think it's uh I don't think I got to the advocate part, but um, I, I, it's it's a it's a it's a beauty that is underrepresented and misunderstood and unusual and strange, and we have to be here to to show all that. Um, so that's all I have to say. I think. What's the E again? Is it education? Is that for T? Teach, Power. Empower. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Um, so I have like, like, and I'm like, I feel like now, if I got this is my imperfect answer, it's like I feel like, or I'm getting to the part where I'm letting myself to be imperfect in the dance journey. I feel like when I started up with ballet again, I was kind of wrapped up in like it being perfect, <laughs> and now I'm like, okay, I can actually like try things and just be a little, uh, and just like see what happens. So here's my imperfect, <laughs> imperfect like answer. I feel like even like with that I mentioned earlier with I feel like I say with the empower and advocate part like even when I started the thick ballerina um the idea was to empower other women young women um of like with 
with bigger hips and bigger booties be like you can also be in ballet you don't have to have a like um a small frame to kind of like to do ballet so i feel like with the fake ballerina anyway like i went to empower and also advocate for like like also a different shape or like another shape of ballet because even like when i was younger when i was younger i was telling one of and i first started dance class i told one of the sisters in my church that i wanted to dance and he's like and she said like oh you need to be skinny to be a dancer so it was like i get another thing in my head that was like okay maybe ballet is not it i have to look for like hip-hop or look for like modern or something else whenever i really went with ballet um so um so i feel like with the big ballerina like i really want to like empower and advocate people to go out there and to like not be afraid of ballet class and be like, okay, I'm just gonna self-select myself out because like I'm not skinny enough to do it. Um, and like the teaching part, I'm not quite sure. Cause I like, cause I actually, funny enough, like I, I actually have like taught, like um, I had like, a, I should taught like other styles of dance. I've taught like um, um, Latin dance. So, so salsa, merengue, and bachata. And I've also taught like also parts of like because I was a huge boy band, 90s boy band nerd. So I've done like workshops that I've taught people like in sing Bakshi boys dances. Um, and I had like one class where I was teaching a younger kid's ballet and I kind of felt like, I don't know enough ballet. I'm not perfect enough to teach it. So like, I'm still working on the teaching part. Um, but I guess like my example of being places that like, that's also probably teaching indirectly as well. So I guess, yeah. So I say like, I wouldn't like leave people with like, it's never what it's never too late to start to get to ballet and also like if you're younger like and you don't have like what people say like or people say like you're too you're not skinny enough to ballet just kind of ignore it and just go for it and find supportive people who will who will back you up thank you elena anything yeah i think i'm going to do this a little bit backwards um springboarding off of the last bit that katania said I think for me, advocacy has been something that like, I tend to like mostly embody and like advocating for people to like, just try dance. Like I am constantly being like, you'll like it if you just try, like you don't have to take it seriously. Um, but I found, I had a really sweet experience with a younger dancer in the Nutcracker I was in just recently. And, um, she had asked me like how I got to be involved like basically what was your dance journey and I told her like yeah like you know it's been a little bit of ups and downs and stuff that I really love and I've stuck with and she's like it's really nice to see um oh, I'm going to butcher this but <laughs> it's nice to see that you don't have to be the very best and you can still keep doing it which to me was I think kind of eye-opening because I had the like fortunate experience of growing up in a little bit of a weird school but we often had adult dancers we had professional dancers we had people who were just doing it recreationally and so for me I kind of always grew up with this mix of like not everyone can be a professional dancer but everyone can dance um and so like I think now as I've gotten older getting to kind of pass that on and help like be in some ways a model of like you don't have to have beautiful extensions you don't have to have great feet you can be short and built like a brick and <laughs> you can still like continue to love dance and everything um so I'm definitely passionate about that and I think with that dance has empowered me in a lot of ways to have kind of an awareness of my own strength and ability. Um, we've talked a little bit about point and stuff, and 
I love Point. Um, I <laughs> have loved it since I was a little kid and they were like, you're not on Point yet. Don't go on your tippy toes. You're going to hurt your feet. Um, but I think it's one of those things that it's beautiful and everything. And it takes such awareness of your body and awareness of what you're doing and everything that it kind of ingrains this confidence and this just knowledge of your own capacity that I think carries really well into the rest of your life to be like, okay, I can, as Katanya was saying, like, I can figure this out. I can like move forward with this. I have that strength and I have that ability. Um, and last, I would say I have been so fortunate to have some really good teachers. And I also think ballet has taught me that like as much as there tends to be a bit of a hierarchy in class, um, your teacher isn't God and <laughs> you sometimes do kind of taking all of this together, like need to advocate for yourself and need to like feel confident enough in your own self to know like this teacher isn't right for me or maybe they're great, but the way they're teaching, like that's not healthy for my body and I need to make those adjustments, um, which is something I think I'm still learning, but also trying to carry into like my own teaching. Um, I teach here and there in DC and try to be very aware that like, yeah, I've been dancing for 20 years, but also I'm young and there's so much I don't know and so much that like I can learn from the people I'm dancing with, the people I'm working with, um, which I think is a really cool opportunity that you don't always get in like all fields, but is very much like a dance class is always a collaboration between the teacher and the students. And if you are lucky enough to have accompaniment, <laughs> um, it's never just a solo venture, which I think is very comforting that you always have that community and you have that kind of support as soon as you step into that studio, as long as it's a good fit, but <laughs> I'll stop there. No, and to kind great. of echo what you just said, like if people are out there and they're like, oh yeah, maybe I should try a dance class. I think it's good to do your due diligence and find, a, find you know, do your research and go into studios where the space makes you feel good. Like you need to go to a space where you feel supported, where you feel accepted, where you can open up. And, you know, so times like so often we go into dance spaces where there is this level of competitiveness and ego that, you know, surrounds like, you know, placing your hand on the bar and, you know, standing in the front or whatever it is, you know? Um, so it's, it's so, so vital for people to go into spaces where they feel accepted, where there's a wide range of people, bodies, abilities, ethnicities uh, in the spaces. So it's not just one mold, you know, um, because I mean, that's, that's so imperative to our growth as humans is to be in a community where we are accepted um, and where we can grow together. Cool. Cool. Very, very true. I forgot one important detail. So it's tea and therapy and you guys got the, all the, the tea, right? But then it's actually actual tea. So if you're a tea drinker, what's your favorite tea? And if you're not, what's your favorite coffee? So what's your favorite tea? My, my favorite tea, it's, it's called Buddha's Dream. And it's a little bit, it's a combination of white and green tea and some other floral things added to it. So what's your favorite tea? Anyone? Tea, coffee? Okay, Katanya. Oh, I'd say my favorite tea uh, is, is mint tea. <laughs> Very mint tea. And I guess like um, 
uh, fun, uh, mint tea overall. And then um, from Trader Joe's, it's a seasonal tea. It's called Winter Winter Wake Up Tea. It's a like a black tea blend with cinnamon and ginger. So I love recommendation. Sounds good. Sounds good. I'm going to have to pick that up because that sounds fabulous. Um, I usually drink whatever black tea is available, but I lately, recently, finally learned how to properly brew jasmine tea. And just, I think something about the like process of heating the water and cooling it and letting it steep and everything, I find like really soothing. And then I do enjoy the flavor too. So that's been a current favorite. Jillian? Um, I, I love just any kind of green tea with a little bit of lemon and honey, but I've been um, doing uh, matcha lattes. Um, it's just a really meditative experience to like take the matcha powder and put the sugar in and make a paste and then warm up the milk and then mix it together. And it's, it's really soothing to have this step-by-step -step process. And then, you know, you get to to reap the benefits of your efforts afterwards. Very cool. So I'm, I'm smiling because it's it's still that, you know, where is their sequencing? Where is their structure? And it's in dance and it's in tea. And it's probably for those listening, it's probably somewhere else in your life as well. So um, I want to thank you all very much for, you know, chiming in to help me out today with this, this episode of, of Tea and Therapy. Uh, what I'm going to ask you to do also, if there are teachers that you have that you want to um, have me put in like the narrative of the, the podcast, you know, please feel free to do that. If you want to do a shout out right now and say, hey, wait a minute, I want, you know, um, so uh, you can put that in the chat and have that information down there. So again, thank you all very much. And thank you for listening. Please remember that any information presented on this podcast is designed for educational and entertainment purposes only. If you are currently working with a psychologist or other mental health professional, please consult your provider before making any changes based on any information presented during this podcast.